Welcome to another episode of the Momming Autism Podcast, where we are providing a positive platform for parents to share their stories about raising special needs children. We are your hosts, Amanda DeLuca and KDMD, and today we have the pleasure of chatting with Lauren Emmett of Wilson's Climb, an autism journey. So welcome, Lauren, and thank you so much for being here. Hi, yeah, thank you guys for having me. So Lauren, could you introduce yourself and just kind of share your journey with autism um, for anyone who may not follow along with your journey quite yet? Yeah, so I live in Oregon with my husband, David, and we have my son, Wilson. He is seven now, and he was diagnosed with autism when he was around three and a half. And then we have uh, my daughter, Charlie, she's five and, So I'm trying to think, so he was diagnosed around three and a half, but I would say that our journey in the world of autism probably started closer to when he was two. He didn't pass the screenings um, at the well checks for autism, but we had a doctor at the time that the first one, he kind of just said, oh, sometimes parents grade those a little harder than others and things like that. And then the second one, she referred us to um, go to speech therapy. So we started speech therapy and OT before kind of moving along to a road of diagnosis for autism. And we kind of had a very long road of, is this autism? Is it not? Is it a speech delay? Is it apraxia? You know, and he had a lot of sensory processing stuff going on so for a while we thought he might have sensory processing disorder but um, his big thing was speech he definitely didn't have a lot of words until maybe after three he got a few Um, and then right after diagnosis we got right into ABA full-time and that was amazing for him it was a wonderful support for us too with them coming to work in the home we tried to keep him in a community preschool for a while but um we kind of just it was a lot of feeling like square peg round hole which Mm -hmm. you know happens in a lot of different areas of this journey but um he had an aid there but it was just a lot of redirecting and a lot more behaviors coming up and a lot of the subject matter going over his head so we ended up Um, pulling him out of that and just doing full-time ABA, which we've pretty much been doing since. So he is still doing ABA with um, a small group. We're kind of starting to work away from one-to-one and into more small group atmospheres, having more success. So that's kind of where we're at. I can remember really early on in those like preschool years at three that um, one-on-one was my only focus. I thought that was the only time that was important. I thought that was the only time that he was getting the care that he needed. And we're um, almost seven, so we're kind of in the same age group here as you, Lauren. And now I'm like so hopeful for that group time. And now I see what I was missing back then. Yeah, we kind of tried to, um, when kindergarten started looming around about a year and a half ago, um, we were getting so anxious because he was really struggling in small group environments at ABA. And I just kept feeling like, how, how is this going to work for him to be in a kindergarten classroom? You know, he just needed so much more support and attention than, than that would have 
been able to to be and so um we really tried to force a lot of group work you know to try and move it along faster and you don't you just can't do that <laughs> it's just kind of in their own time and um i'm just it's it's really nice to see now like his his instructors are telling me that he's um you know mentioning buddies when they're not there and just becoming more aware of things like that and kind of like glimpses of forming some friendships which is super fun to see that um we wrote our kindergarten IEP and it you know had all the accommodations and modifications and goals and um in our parent input statement I put I just want him to make one friend I just want him to be able to know that that feeling of a friend So Lauren, I was reading through some of your blog posts um, and a couple really caught my eye and I want to talk about those because a lot of parents um, seem to talk about the same um, struggle you're writing about and hopefully you can provide some tips and some input. So one of those is you wanted to talk about presuming competence and I think a lot of us think, um, you know, are nonverbal or they're not making eye contact that we forget that they're still taking in everything that we're saying they're still understanding everything that we're saying yes yes that is so um, I'm very passionate about that because I feel like I do see that often where um, if someone whether it's a child or an adult or doesn't respond, you know, often I wouldn't even always describe Wilson as being in his own world, but he just doesn't always know that you're talking to him or um, understand your question and things like that um, right off the bat. But yes, assuming you've got to assume that they understand what you're saying, whether they respond or whether they communicate in a different way than, than using language. And so... Um, yeah, I just, I do like to talk about that a lot. Um, especially because just him being my own son, I feel like he's constantly showing me things that I didn't know he could do, (laughs) you know, and, and it's just so important. Um, Katie actually this week where she, um, learned that Avery could read. Oh, it was actually um, amazing because we were so surprised that that was even possible. Not because we couldn't or we didn't think that he could never, you know, was never going to read. It just was kind of like a hidden, a hidden, just, you know, something he had hidden away. And he was looking at us like, what's the big deal? Like, yeah. I just read that word. and. And just everybody's going to continue on with their day like nothing happened and here's me and I'm like crying and like trying to videotape it and he's just looking at me like I am crazy like why why is this even a big deal we've noticed yeah we've noticed in the last um, two ABA providers that we've had come into our home that we are making much more of an effort to say we need to step away to talk about this or um can we email about this later? Because I think for them, it's so routine that they forget about children being in the room and listening to what you're saying. 
Yeah, that is a really, really good point for people to think about because they really are absorbing so much, like you said earlier. And and also just because maybe they don't speak the same way you do, they feel things Working and they understand things. Haircuts. And how you've yeah. written about that and lots of parents struggle with that. The haircuts is something that I just would never think that I'm sitting here giving advice on because we have been in just the darkest place before with trying to do haircuts and things that are sensory related like that. But the biggest thing was starting so, so small and starting with just the tiniest steps forward. So for him, it was um, the hair buzzer being in the room with him. And then we slowly worked up to it being on the table next to him. And then you plug it in. And then at each step like that, you know, you work to it a couple times and then you're done for the day. You don't like get greedy and try to push it further because that can just set you back. And I learned that from experience. I got all excited and it's like, nope, nope, we gotta stay where we're at. And then sometimes there's setbacks and you just go a few more steps backwards and start there again and work up to it and for him the scissors weren't great because he would flail his fingers up there a lot and that just made me nervous so we went with the buzzer but just kind of desensitizing him to that sound and that feeling um, really over the course of several years and now he I wouldn't say he loves it and it's the first thing he wants to do but he stays calm and he um, allows it and then we're done and it's kind of like a simple little process and we still do it at home and um, maybe one day we'll work towards uh, work going out to a barber shop or whatnot again but for now this is what works best for him so um, yeah I would say baby steps and just don't rush it we're actually the opposite where I was having um, my hair girls come into our home and cut Jackson's hair and his behavior was 10 times what any stress level should be over a haircut. She followed him around, she let him explore and he does amazing and they're in and out in 15 minutes. Oh, that's such a cool opportunity to have to be able to go in and do that. That's great. And and yeah, the buzzer, we did a lot of years too where he had the headphones on. So that was kind of another element to work around, which was a little tricky with the haircut. But um, yeah, what you just kind of got to meet them where they're at. Like that's a perfect example of two just different paths and then finding what works for them. Mm -hmm. Jackson, um, now that he's getting older, is starting to get like the wispy hairs on the back of his neck. And she's like, Amanda, we're oh, really yeah. going to have to. <laughs> he's getting older, so we're going to have to address that. Yeah, there are quieter ones. So you're on the right track. I can send you the one we have. <laughs> yeah, that would be great. So Lauren, I also wanted to talk about one of your um, blog post was about finding hope in the heavy um, and there's a lot of heavy in parenting a child with autism and um, there's a lot of joy but there is a lot of struggle and a lot of heavy so can you talk about that a little bit um, on what that looks like for you yeah I would say um, the best way that I approach that is trying to just stay in the present as much as I can it's so, I mean, we all probably do the spiral of, especially, oh my goodness, in the beginning with a, when you're first kind of figuring out this whole world of autism, 
it's really hard not to do the whole down the road um you know will they graduate will they get married will they drive a car things like that and if i had a magic wand and could stop everyone from doing that i wish i could and and same for myself like we all we all do that but um we just try to stay in the here and now like what can i help wilson with right now and you know what if i want him to live alone someday great he better know how to tie his shoes and he better know how to zip up his jacket so it's kind of just working with what we can do right now to work towards you know independence or safety in the community things like that and it's all much easier said than done but i think that's what i try and remind myself when the heavy stuff happens as far as like thinking too far ahead and and really worrying about the future and instead like you said focusing on the joys you see every single day here right now instead of worrying about years down the line and i think it's so um important for parents to remember that zipping up their jacket is a milestone to celebrate being able to simply put on their shoes by themselves is a joy to celebrate i also think it's important to you know when parents think about the iep process and you know therapy that it doesn't all have to be math and reading and you know spelling that life skills have a place too and they're equally as important yes and i would say too like what we touched on earlier as far as underestimating them and things like that i mean we've started a program where he's doing more chores around the house and helping with the laundry and the dishes and and that's just something i hadn't been asking of him cuz i just i mean i knew he probably could do it but we didn't start working on it and that things you just need to work on you know you have to purposely intentionally practice those kinds of things Mm-hmm. Our um new ABA therapist asked us last week. She's like, "Does he do any chores around the house?" And I'm like, "Um, <laughs> I really trust me, I know he should, but it's not in our schedule." Um so I ordered um the goalie that Kate has shared about and we are going to do a visual schedule so that we can incorporate chores and allowance and earning money and um yes. I have to train myself not to go back and do it over if it's not exactly how I would have done it. Yes, I'm kind of a bit of a control freak like you. Sounds <laughs> like you're on the same page where it's just okay, we'll work on this and then I'm going to fix it. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, husband told me I have to make sure I'm not fixing it in front of him. Yeah. <laughs> in the drawer, it might not be neat, but it's all in there. That's a step in the right direction. <laughs> I need to remember that. Exactly. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so Lauren, we always like to ask, do you have advice for a mama out there who may be struggling right now? Maybe she just received her diagnosis, maybe, you know, they're in therapy burnout or just in a in a place in her journey where she's struggling. What would you say? Oh my goodness. I I the finding someone to talk to I think is the most important thing. I mean, having a community like this where you can listen or read blogs that align with what's going on in your life and make you feel less alone, that's so important. But just being willing to um reach out or meet people and tell your story 
I think that people don't realize how much that can be helpful for them and others too. And you might find the person you're going to lean on in places you don't expect, like a park or a therapy waiting room or something like that. But being able to connect and relate and have community, I think, is just so important. And I also don't want to discount um, families who or friends that don't have experience with children with special needs because I really think that those people want to support you and the only way that they'll be able to is if you talk to them and talk to them about the struggles talk to them about the wins and things like that you know because they want to learn and honestly you usually feel better after talking anyway whether that person knows exactly how it feels or not so I would just encourage people to um, lean on others. It's hard to do. Sometimes it's easier to sit alone and not talk. It was it was very hard for me to talk about it for many years. And I just want people to know that that part will get better and you'll get stronger and to lean on other people as much as you can. And I think what's, um, like you said, you it was hard for you to talk about it for so long. And it's okay to step back. It's okay to say, this is too much and I need a minute, but we can't stay there. Right, right. Mm-hmm. Don't stay there too long. Yep. Right. So um, because we choose to share our life, we get to meet some amazing people who um, you know, understand this life more than anyone and who um, understand the hard and understand the joy and like you said, it's just so important to find someone to lean on because um, it's too heavy to carry alone. Yes, absolutely. So Lauren, can you tell our listeners where they can find you so that they can follow along um, with your beautiful writing and your journey and all of that? Yes, yes. We are on wilsonsclimb.com and then we are on Facebook and Instagram under Wilson's Climb and Autism Journey. Perfect. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Um, I know haircuts are a big topic and presuming competence is such an important conversation. And I think that um, this gives people some uh, starting points on talking about those things and hopefully some tips they didn't have before. So thank you so much for joining us, Lauren. Yes. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you, everyone. And we will talk to you again next week.